Roadman, it is one of the most iconic climbs in professional cycling. Alta la Anglerou. The Vuelta went up it and it was serious drama. Let's talk about it. Cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness and our longevity? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back. It's another week, it's another month on the Roadman Podcast. We are rolling into November and we're still talking about cycling. Everyone complains about the coronavirus, but for cycling, it's unbelievable. This is normally a time of the year when the hour has gone back. It's doom and gloom around cycling going, oh, it's so long till cycling comes back. And that feeds into our motivation out on the bike. But we're still talking about one week of bike racing. We're into the final rest day on the Vuelta and it's November. Let that sink in. When you're letting that sink in, guys, just a reminder about the podcast and how we support the podcast. It's over on Patreon. The link is in the bio. It's patreon.com forward slash Anthony underscore Walsh. Years ago, I used to have a Facebook Live show. We done it once a week. It was called the A1 Show. We got massive viewing figures on it, and it ran for about two years. But the problem is we never figured out how to make that sustainable. So as good as it was, and everybody thought it was going to last forever, it never became sustainable. So with Patreon, that's my goal on this. It seems like this podcast is going to be around forever because it's gained so much traction at the moment. But I'm just so cautious to make sure history doesn't repeat itself and it sticks around for a long, long time to come. So please, if you want to help it stick around, if you're getting some value, if you're enjoying it, if you're having a laugh, if you're learning something, buy me a pint of beer once a month to just say thanks for the podcast. And in return, you will get access to The Secret Podcast. It's once a month I give you access to The Secret Podcast where I answer all your burning questions and ask me anything type format guys let's jump in it's stage 12 it was the queen stage of the vuelta a spania i a little bit regretful if i'm honest that i haven't done a daily vuelta podcast but on the balance i think it's for the best i've got to bring you some amazing guests like lauren's 10 dam last week and i have another awesome guest lined up this week but you'll have to wait and see who it is But I have been following every single day and I'm deep in the trenches on it and the timing of this podcast is just perfect because yesterday we had stage 12, which I said was the Queen stage. Alta de Anglerou, one of the most iconic climbs in world cycling. It's the Vuelta's answer to Alpe d'Huez or Mont Ventoux and that's initially why they stuck it into the race to rival these great iconic climbs in France or the Stelvio, or the Mortarola in the Giro d'Italia. So the vital stats on this beast of a climb, it's 12.5 kilometers long, and it averages 10.3%, with pitches of up to 24%. Just a side note, wouldn't it be really cool to fly around the world and do all these iconic climbs? Like, there's some of them that just, maybe it's a separate podcast. You know what, maybe I'll do this as tomorrow's podcast. You know what? That's it. I'm, <laughs> I've decided I'm scratching tomorrow's podcast topic and I'm going to bring you guys iconic climbs because I, I'm just fascinated with, with where are they, what are they, and what are the top five ones. So I'm going to park that thought and I'm going to bring that to you tomorrow. So we're on to the Vuelta Angerloo. It was the big 
showdown for this stage 12 and all the contenders went into it as we say kind of grupo compacto no real surprises except mark Saler from movie star uh he was the winner of i think stage eight a few stages ago he was dropped on the penultimate climb and uh, we all headed into this iconic and sometimes controversial climb if you cast your mind back to 2002 and we're like whoa show my age here that's 18 years ago and we had the British uh, former world champion David Miller stopping at the top of the Angerloo, two or three metres short of the line and taking off his numbers and handing them in as a sign of protest. It was a sign of protest of the weather that day. There was paint on the road. The wheels were spinning. The climb was too high for them. Nobody had much love. And Miller was you know, disqualified from the race for not finishing the stage. It was a gesture that definitely was echoed across a lot of the peloton at the time. And there was talk maybe that the climb was too hard that it wouldn't be put back into the race. But we have seen it as a feature through the years. And this year we had EF Education, Hugh Carty, coming up to, you know, this kid. He's, he was fourth on GC going into the race. But he stamped his name by winning not only a Grand Tour stage, but winning one of the classics. And he has stamped his name with the great climbers of all time. Like I'm thinking guys that have won on this stage, like Roberto Herras, Alberto Contador, Jose Maria Jimenez, Chris Horner. He's the sixth fastest rider in history up the Angerloo. That's pretty damn cool. And I have a good friend who was teammates with him back in his Rafa days. And he's meant to be a super, super nice guy. It was just punches getting thrown it was like looking at the 12th round of a heavyweight world title fight these absolute hitters so at the pointy business end we had carty we had vlasov who i flagged early in the race as a potential contender uh we'd Heinrich mass the young rider classification leader we'd carapaz we'd roglich we'd dan martin we'd sep Kuss, and for a period we had walt poles and mike woods we had these guys just literally tearing strips out of each other as the climb alternated from that brutal 24% back down to 18 or 15%. Like, it seems strange to even say back down to 18%. You don't hear that often. Nobody ever says the climb went back down to 18%. Different riders' strengths came into play. Like, Hugh Carty suffered a little bit on the super steep pitches but seemed to recover a little bit faster than the guys when it came back down to that 15 16%. And... In the end, we had Carty forging ahead, and in pursuit, we had Vlasov and Mass, and that's the way it finished. Carty, 16 seconds clear of Vlasov, Mass, and then Carapaz, very importantly, latched, latched onto the back of Vlasov and Mass at that 16 second lead, and Roglic didn't come in for a further 10 seconds with Sepkos and Dan Martin. So he's 26 seconds back, seeding the race lead to Carapaz by 10 seconds now. And then we had Walt Powell's and Mike Woods bringing up the rear of that kind of elite group at a minute 35 back. What does this mean for the overall race? Like, if you haven't had a chance to go back and watch that yet, even though I'm sure you've seen the results everywhere and you've now you've listened to the podcast, go back and watch the last 10, 15 kilometers of yesterday's stage. It's absolutely epic. Now, my even mind cycling, it's epic sport. These absolute gladiators tearing strips out of each other, putting it all on the line for our entertainment. It's incredible viewing. I've heard commentators this morning, I've read an article saying, you know, is this the traditional Roglic falling apart? And it's something I talked about. Potentially Roglic could fall apart heading into the third week. 
was this Roglic falling apart? For me, absolutely not. This was a massive show of strength, in my view, from Roglic. This is one of the hardest climbs in the world. Roglic is not a super steep, high mountain climber like the likes of Carapaz, you know, Ecuadorian born at altitude. Roglic isn't that type of rider. He's a good, steady GC all-arounder. And we're heading into Tuesday's time trial with Roglic only losing 10 seconds. Like, if you were to say to Roglic before the start of this race, you're going to have a 10-second deficit to make up going into a 36.2-kilometer time trial on Carapaz. Would you take it? The lad would have absolutely bit your hand off. I don't see this as a sign of Roglic has falling apart. I see this as a sign of Roglic has grasped this race. And now, Tuesday, he's going to put his stamp on it. He's 10 seconds to make up on Carapaz. And then we have, in third place, Hugh Carty at 32 seconds. This time trial is not a straightforward time trial. But Roglic is a versatile time trial rider. Like It's a 36.2-kilometer time trial. But we have a 2-kilometer climb at the end. Uh, I listened to Wiggins in commentary in Eurosport yesterday saying he doesn't think the time trial is going to be the deciding factor. I completely disagree. I think the time trial is... Roglic is so strong. His team are so strong. Sepp Kuss is there in the final yesterday with him. And if you listen to Roglic... Actually, I think I have a quote here from uh, Roglic. Yeah, I think Sepp could have went for the win. But he had to stay to support me. The guys are on a great level today. Hopefully, we'll have some opportunity in the next few days. But the overall is the big goal. So Sepkos could have won that stage, I think. He looked super, super strong. But he stayed with Roglic because they know, you know, Sepkos isn't going to win the overall. He's not going to win the time trial. Roglic is nailed on now for this uh, Vuelta a España. I almost said Giro d'Italia. He's nailed on for this Vuelta a España. Wiggins doesn't see the time trial as a deciding factor. I do. The steepest climb in the entire race, Roglic only gave away 10 seconds to his nearest rival, Carapaz. I expect him to put in over a minute into Carapaz and Hugh Carty uh, on Tuesday's time trial. He only lost 10 seconds in the hardest race, in the hardest stage, on the hardest climb in the world. We have some steep, hard uphill finishes coming, but he's such a strong team around him, and he's going to be going into it with about a one-minute buffer, in my opinion. Roglic has taken control of this year's Vuelta a España uh, Hugh Carty is the man we need to celebrate uh, for the moment because it was an incredible win and for someone that's been around for a little while now I think he's 31 years old he's etched his name into Grand Tour history and I'll leave you with a quote from him he said it's a dream come true to win any professional bike race but to win a Grand Tour on the most mythical climbs it doesn't get any better from that it's hard to put it into words Hugh Carty, chapeau, hats off to your son Enjoy the Vuelta a España rest day, everyone. And we're going to be back. Well, the riders at least are going to be back for a pivotal time trial on Tuesday. I'm going to keep you posted along the week. And we might do a wrap-up show on the Vuelta uh, on Saturday or Sunday, a special edition one. Thanks for tuning in, Roadman, to another Roadman cycling podcast. And I'm going to be back to you tomorrow talking about iconic world climbs. Chat then. Hey everybody, it's Anthony again. Really quick, I want to invite you to join arguably the best thing I've ever put out inside the Roadman community. It's a challenge. It's a challenge called the 14-day Kickstart Challenge. So regardless of where your fitness is at right now, this is going to be the catalyst for making you faster and making you leaner. I've created this challenge 
to take the guesswork out of everything. It's 14 days of training plans, regardless of what your level is. There's masters, beginner, advanced. There's meal plans, shopping list, and even a video course holding your hand and talking you through it all. So what I recommend you do right now is just stop everything, press pause on this audio and go to roadmancycling.com forward slash 14 day or check out the link in the bio. That's roadmancycling.com slash 14 day.